Hi, this is Sam McNeil from Sales Ecosystem and welcome to our very first podcast. Subject of today's bod- podcast is What the heck is a sales ecosystem and why should it matter to you? So it's Sam McNeil here from Sales Ecosystem with Brian Clark. Hey Sam, how are you? Good, thanks Brian. How are you today? I'm doing great, thanks. So the first episode of the Sales Ecosystem show, we are going to be talking about what a sales ecosystem is, why it matters to you as a business owner, and how, in fact, you can apply a sales ecosystem to your business. Wow, that sounds like an action-packed show, Sam. Should be, should be, Brian. So let's start with what the heck is a sales ecosystem? Mm, big question, Sam. What is a sales ecosystem? I can't even remember when we thought up the name, but I guess an ecosystem really uh, covers all bases in uh, all facets of sales and marketing interdependent, working together to create a desired result, and something that's sustainable and growing, Sam. Sounds pretty complex, Brian. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it is, and uh, that's one of the reasons why uh, we've been pretty successful in getting small business owners to understand that there's a lot to it, but uh, simple is always the better way to go, isn't it? It is, and, and one way of looking at this is from the perspective of a small business owner. So if you're out there and you're running a plumbing business or you've got a software business um, or you've got any kind of business for that matter, then one of the things you're probably faced with or one of the challenges you're faced with is how do I win more new business? Uh, the traditional ways of solving that problem are things like advertising and things like running yellow pages ads and maybe even doing some telemarketing, doing some cold calling to prospective customers or clients. Well, you've already put the fear of God in most of our listeners, I think. Absolutely. And really, that's what the sales ecosystem is about for a small business owner. It's breaking down that whole area of complexity, all those things you could do, and figuring out, in fact, what are the right things, what are the best things to do for your business so that you can repeatedly and sustainably win new business, make more money for yourself and your business. So in essence, that for my mind is what the sales ecosystem is about. It's about a way of delivering more money to you. Great. That's exactly what it's all about. Get that top line healthy and the bottom line will look after itself. And a few of the things that Sam mentioned in there, uh, including cold calling and yellow pages advertising, my goodness, if that's the way you're trying to sustain and grow your business, then our hearts go out to you. Um, there's a lot more easier ways uh, to achieve high revenue growth, and uh, especially these days, Sam, you know, it's uh, pretty exciting to be alive in the era of the uh, Web 2.0 and social media and the ways and means we can market ourselves online, Hey, It sure is. It sure is. And one of the other exciting things about the time frame we're in at the moment is, in fact, someone said this to me yesterday, Brian, one of our, our clients said this yesterday. Um, prospective clients rather said this just today um, how, how can we possibly win more business or get more revenue when the economy is looking as pessimistic and as miserable as it is and in actual fact this is a great time of opportunity if you want to grow your revenue in business no matter which business you're in um, and so maybe, maybe one way Brian to uh, talk about this a bit further now is to maybe look at some examples what do you reckon yeah, let's do that, mate. Let's talk about some examples. Okay, so where should we start? Um, let's start with a company who, um, a trade-based business, let's make it real, real simple business, one that everyone can understand. 
So we've got a business that's a plumbing business maybe, or maybe they're an electrician. Um, they could be any kind of trade-based business. This is a real example, so it's going to be a plumbing business, so it's a business we have worked with before. Um, and the first place we started with this plumbing business, who had gone from revenues three years ago of, of over a million dollars to revenues in the last financial year of around about $300,000. Yikes. Yay. Uh, understandably, the business owner and his wife, um, who run the business together, were scared. They were afraid. They were frightened. And they were frightened of, where's the next dollar going to come from? Not a good place to be. No, very stressful, very unpleasant. Not a lot to look forward to, both during, at the end, and before every day. Um, so our starting point in terms of how we help business owners increase the revenue is to ask a very fundamental question, which is, who are you selling to? Sounds like a crazy question. Sounds like a, a question that's so easy to answer. But actually, if you pause out there in listening land and have a think about a new business, who do you sell to? Who are you trying to sell to? Mm. It can actually be quite a challenging question to answer, can't it, Ryan? It sure is. And I mean, we all face that. Uh, usually when uh, we're out there in the trenches working on our businesses, we want to sell to everybody and anybody who will actually sign a check. And of course, that means that we're going out there and wasting a lot of time, scattergun approach, uh, not necessarily channeling our efforts to those who uh, are probably in a better position to buy, but also people that we like to sell to and we like to work with. And both of those two factors, I think, contribute to uh, helping you define more clearly what your marketing uh, targets are. Yeah, that's right. And the reality for every business owner is you've only got a certain number, a finite number of dollars you can spend on winning new business. And if you're spreading those dollars really thinly, on a really widespread target market, chances are your message ain't going to get through that well. It's certainly not going to get through in a powerful way or in a compelling way. Counterintuitively, the smaller you make your target market, the more you can get your message through to people in that target market. That's right. You know, another thing just occurred to me, Sam, uh, when you were mentioning the, um, the, the scattergun approach, um, what often happens to uh, small business owners uh, is they are usually competing in a commoditized market and what you start finding yourself doing is relying on price and you start getting yourself a little bit paranoid and you start chucking some low prices around and before you know it you're in a downward spiral. Absolutely and there's a saying out there that there's always some other idiot who's prepared to go out of business faster than you are by reducing their prices more than you reduce yours. Yeah. So you don't want to be competing on price, in fact the opposite's the case you actually want to be explaining that there is so much value in what you do and the way that you do it that you can actually charge a bit more than the other guy. You can charge a bit more than your competitors. Great. That's exactly what we want. We want to be different. We want to be better and we want to be different. And so the question becomes, why would you ever pay someone more money than somebody who can do the same job for less? And the ultimate answer that we're going to, we're going to explore a bit is if I trust you already, if I trust you and your business, then I'm going to pay you a bit more than some other stranger who I find in Yellow Pages or the local newspaper or who calls me up out of the blue on the telephone. If I already trust you and your business, I don't mind paying you a bit of a premium because I trust that you're going to do a great job for me, I trust you're going to deliver a fantastic service, and I'm going to have an outstanding experience dealing with your business. You bet. Hey Sam, you know, when you're looking about your uh, target market, um, when you're thinking about an ideal client, 
What are some of the things that you think about uh, in terms of um, how you would define an ideal client? I guess there are, there are kind of um, soft, fuzzy ways of describing that, such as um, a person or people or a business that I enjoy working with. Um, there are other more tangible things, such as like they pay their bills on time, or maybe even they pay their bills full stop. Um, but normally, for most business owners, there are, there are nice, simple ways of defining what an ideal client or customer looks like. It might even be the area that they live in, that they have a house in, that they have a business in. It might be something to do with the type of equipment that they have on site. So, for example, if I repair Apple Mac computers, there ain't no point in me targeting people who've got Microsoft-based computers. That's right. And, you know, you can even get really defined here so that what you do is you can establish yourself as being an expert within that, um, that specific market area. And, of course, all your communications become so much easier. So instead of feeling like what we're uh, recommending is actually limiting, what it actually does is it liberates you and helps you expand your thinking and expand your communication channels by narrowing the target recipient. And when Sam talks about being able to look at an ideal client in terms of people that you enjoy working with, certainly you want to work with people who are going to pay their bills, but you're also going to want to work with people who uh, value what you have to offer. And um, just as an example of that, I have a friend of mine who is a, uh, a business coach, and uh, she specializes in um, business women, and in particular business women who oftentimes have left the corporate sphere and are starting their own businesses for the first time and need that extra impetus and ideas to help them get started. Yeah, I'm just thinking, Brian, um, I've got a really good um, real-life story to explain the outcomes from taking this approach. Um, the other day, I was talking with a guy who, amongst other things, um, installs new roofs on houses. Um, particularly, these are re restoration-type um, roofing we're talking about here. So, people have already got a house with a roof on it. Something goes wrong with the roof, and they need the roof replaced. Now, when, uh, before we started talking to these people about what we do in our approach to how you increase revenue, their approach and their business to getting new roofing jobs was basically to do mailbox drops of a little leaflet um, around pretty much every house in the geographical area that they were based in. And they had a Yellow Pages ad, and about once every six weeks in the local newspaper, they ran a small ad saying, we repair roofs. Mm. Now, that was their approach, and they were doing okay, but the reality was business had stagnated and had been running pretty much at the same level for about 10 years. So they weren't growing, and the reality was the guy who owned the business, who was running the business, was getting tired. He was slaving away, he was putting long hours in, and there was no great financial rewards, and more importantly, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. There was no way out of this. He was basically, he had bought himself a job. Wow, okay. that's kind of a sad story so far. It is, and it's so common. I tell you, Brian, the people we meet out there, it's such a common story. So anyway, to cut a long story short, we went through what we do in terms of helping sorting out the marketing and the selling stuff. And we actually, um, by exploring his business and asking some simple questions, we realized in actual fact that um, there were certain suburbs where the houses were all built around about the same time, where in reality, every roof has a, a certain um, lifetime to it. And depending upon the builder and materials used, um, the part of the world we're in, that lifetime will be around about 10 to 25 years. And so what we did with um, this fellow is we sat down and we said, okay, well, these suburbs, 
were all built around about this particular time frame. So in reality, knowing roughly how most of the roofs were constructed in that area, we know that in that area of 100,000 houses, about 10,000 of them will need new roofs this year. Wow. That 10,000 new roofs, if we take the typical value of a new roof around about our area of being about $20,000, mm -hmm. then you've got $20,000 times um, 10,000, so you've got quite a large number of millions of dollars um, available to any roofing contractor focusing on that market. So that's very useful, but you might well say, um, as I'm sure you would do, how does that help me actually win that business? Well, put yourself in the shoes of those people in those houses whose roofs are gradually deteriorating. At some point, they will have to purchase a new roof. But the reality is, unless the roof is already leaking or the tiles are falling off it, flying off it, the person in the house is probably unaware of that. So to cut a long story short, we got them to send out some educational materials mm. only to people in that suburb, explaining how old their roof was and what was going to happen to it, and providing them with a simple guide on how to choose someone to replace your roof. Great idea. It wasn't trying to sell them anything, it was purely educational information. And on the very last page, there was some simple contact information. If you'd like to learn more, or you ever have any troubles with your roof, please call Fred at this number at XYZ Roofing Contracting Company. And of course, what happens is, as people in that area have problems with their roof, they recollect they've received that educational material, Quite a few of them have put it away in a bottom drawer somewhere for a rainy day when the roof is leaking, and guess who they call? They call Fred. They call Fred, that's right. Since doing that, Fred's business has dramatically improved. It's really taken off. He's experiencing great growth, and get this, he's spending less on his marketing than he was before. Boy, I bet you I can tell you one reason why. Why is that right? I'll bet you he's getting a lot of referrals. He's getting lots of referrals, and guess what? He's now none as Fred, the guy who does the roofs in that suburb. Yeah, and we can trust Fred, and we can also see Fred's trucks around the place, and so therefore what we've done is establish over time a high level of what Sam mentioned earlier as being trust, a key ingredient. That's right, and guess what else? Fred charges more than lots of other roofing guys, mm -hmm. because he, as Brian says, he's a trusted guy in that area. Who else is going to get to do your roof apart from Fred? Great. That's a good example, you know, and that really also helps illustrate what we mean by an ecosystem. So once you actually build an ecosystem of interdependent tools that you use to establish um, a better presence in your market, uh, you're going to actually build your way to a sustainable business model. You're not going to be doing the peaks and the valleys that so many small business owners do, as well as not necessarily putting yourself and painting yourself into a corner just like you would if you had a job in some cubicle somewhere. Yep, and just a couple of other points just to, to make sure that everyone understands where we're coming from with that little example. Um, you don't have to be an expert in writing a guide. Fred wasn't an expert in writing guides. All we did with Fred was we picked his brain because he is an expert at replacing roofs. Just as in your business, you're an expert at whatever you do. If you're in the printing business, you're an expert in printing. If you're in the software business, you're an expert in writing software. Whatever business you're in, you're an expert in it. The knowledge that you have about how someone should choose a supplier in your business is exactly what goes into that guide that we give to people, that free information guide. So that's the first point I think it's important to understand. We weren't talking there about Fred having to go off and study or write a novel about this. We're talking about pulling the knowledge he has already 
and just putting it down on paper. The second thing that's important is that this does apply to any type of business. Not that specific way of solving the revenue issue, but more generally speaking, understanding who your target market is, making it as narrow as possible, focusing on the issues that those people have who are potential customers or clients, giving them the knowledge and information they need to choose a provider of services or products, and then making sure that by giving them that information, you are the one that they choose, as simple and straightforward as that. And this is just one of the tactics that we get small business owners to use. You can imagine if you take that tactic, multiply it tenfold with the other things that we teach people how to do, that revenue really can take off, irrespective of what's happening in the economy, or irrespective of anything else that's going on. That's right. You actually build a buffer between you and the economy. There's no point in looking outside and getting yourself depressed about what you have no control over anyway. Main thing is to focus on what you can actually control and what you can do. And what Sam's highlighted is an example of a small business owner getting into the game and actually focusing his energies where he's going to get a return for his energy investment. Um, there's a lot in that uh, story, you know, Sam, that uh, included a number of key attributes of our uh, sales ecosystem methodologies. And uh, really, I guess what we were trying to get across there is two things. One, that you need to marry your focus into a target market, know who you want to sell to. And then two, understand what messaging is going to get to those people so that they can build a sense of trust, both for you personally and your business. Yeah, absolutely, Brian. Those are great points. So from our perspective, when we talk about sales ecosystem, the marketing part of it is really about building trust with potential clients or customers. And the selling bit of it is getting in front of them and getting them to buy from you. Now the selling part of it we'll talk more about in future episodes and we'll get into a lot more of the marketing tactics in future episodes of the Sales Ecosystem show as well. Um, but really I think it's probably worthwhile kind of wrapping this one up just with being aware of the fact that when we're talking about a sales ecosystem we're talking about all the individual things that you can do in your business, often inexpensive things, often very practical things that you already know how to do, turning them into a calendar of activities that you will then execute week by week, month by month in your business, that just like the riffing guy we just told you about, if you execute them and you execute them as we help you to um, understand how to do it, then the revenue in your business in all likelihood will take off. You bet it will. You know, we're going to help you grow your business uh, whether you actually engage us directly or whether you just listen to these podcasts. We've got a great uh, series of programs lined up and uh, we're going to go into some uh, great detail. And if you listen closely and maybe take some notes and put what we have to say into practice, you're going to see some big results in your business. Yeah, absolutely. The whole reason for the Sales Ecosystem Show is we want to give you absolutely every bit of knowledge we have about how to build your business, how to grow your revenue, how to do your marketing so that it generates a huge return on investment. We want to give you all of that absolutely for free. Um, if you can apply and use it yourself, we applaud you. We think that's fantastic. We will always be here if you need help, but our aim is to educate, to inform, and to help you grow your business. And have fun. And have fun, absolutely. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Sam. I really appreciate uh, the time. Uh, it's always great when the two of us are able to get together and uh, have a chat about things. And I always feel good when we uh, uh, communicate our ideas to those people out there who want to make a difference. Yeah, absolutely, Brian. 
So till next time, Brian and listeners, we'll see you next week, and thanks for tuning in. See ya. See ya.